So, you are going to get a really awesome story by way of introduction about this really meaningful time in my life where Leah and I were riding scooters in Memphis. But I typed it all out, and I was like, this story is way too long. So instead, you're going to hear a story about sandwiches. So Leah and I, almost exactly a year ago, I think it was maybe in the first week of August or the last week of July, uh, we were at uh, Kurt and Alexis's house. And we were hanging out with them, and it was just a really phenomenal time. And while we were there, uh, so Charlotte has this bedtime routine where uh, they, all, they all get together and they say uh, one thing that they're thankful for, and also uh, your favorite part of the day. And I don't know, maybe it's a little bit juvenile, but Leah and I were like, we want to do that. So we started doing this, and it's actually it's been phenomenal because you, know, you, you kind of get to reflect on the day, and you get to find out... Um, what was really meaningful uh, to each other. So we found this to be a helpful thing. But one night, uh, Leah and I were laying in bed. And so uh, she asked me, you know, Brent, what are you thankful for? And so I was laying there, and I was thinking, and I, I was thinking about this church. I was thinking about just all of the wonderful uh, hospitality you guys have given us, the kindness and the love and support and encouragement. and print. Just like, I, I, we love being here. And you guys are really, really special. And I don't say that enough. Uh, and I was also, I was thinking about Jacob, and I was thinking about this internship program and how much Jacob has really uh, encouraged me and helped me to grow. And so I was just about to say the internship, and then my brain took this hard right turn, and suddenly I was thinking about nukes, and I was thinking about biting into like a really good sandwich. And so I said sandwiches, and Leah told me that was, that was not the right answer. She was like, no, <laughs> you can't be thankful. And so... Um, whether or not that was a good answer, that was what I said, because I, I really am thankful for sandwiches. But on a, on a much deeper level, um, we're going to talk about thankfulness today. And we're going to talk about soul-singing thankfulness. We're back with our yearly theme about letting our soul sing. And we're, we're studying the Psalms for these deep cries to God, things that come from deep within us. And we, ex- we have to express them in song or in prayer. And this month, our focus is on thankfulness. And I want to talk about this morning three times in our lives where we really need to be thankful, where we need to cry out to God with uh, thanksgiving in prayer. And of course, uh, there are you know, a bunch of reasons. I mean, famously, Paul says in Thessalonians to give thanks in all circumstances. So obviously, three is not an exhaustive list, but three is what we are going to cover today. And uh, as I say that, I'd like you guys to turn to Psalm 111, because this is where we're going to begin our study today. In Psalm 111, we're going to find the first reason we might give thanks to God. And that is, we want to give thanks to God when God is God, when God is who he says he is. And when we think about the God of the Old Testament, who is loving and kind, and we think about the God of the New Testament, who's, who's merciful and gracious, obviously the same God, but I'm thinking about stories and uh, just these, these times where God is who he says he is, where he takes care of us, where he listens to the cries of the afflicted, where God provides, where God is righteous, where he is loving, where he is just. When we see that happen in our lives, we got to cry out to God in thankfulness. And I think Psalm 111 really gives us 
A great example of this. So start, Psalm 111 verse 1 says, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. So right off the bat, we know we're in a good place. Because if we're going to talk about giving thanks by letting our soul sing, giving thanks to the Lord with your whole heart, we're in the right, we're in the right place. Verses 2 through 4 say, Great are the works of the Lord. Studied by all who delight in them, full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. And so we see in these verses that the psalmist begins to explain that just in general, God is amazing and that he does great things and that he proves himself to be gracious and merciful, that his wondrous works are such that people are going to notice them, they're going to talk about them, they're going to study them for ages to come, that this is the kind of God we serve, that he does amazing things. But then he, then he gets specific. In verse 5, he gives two examples of this concept that he's talking about. He says, he provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. And I want to talk about these two aspects when we talk about, as we, as we subdivide this first point. First, talk about food. Of course, you knew I was going to talk about food because I'm always talking about food. But I want to ask you, when you thank God for the meals that you're eating, do you thank him with the same sort of offhandedness that you might thank uh, a server at a restaurant? Oh, yeah, okay, thanks for, for bringing this to me. Or is it something deeper? And to tie into this point here of thanking God when God is God, does the food that you eat help you to realize not just that God is going to give you this meal, but that God is the sustainer of all life? that God provides for his people, that he is a loving and caring father that is not going to let his children go hungry. And when you look outside the window, you see the same sort of concept play out, that the birds, they don't go hungry, and that you know, the trees always have enough carbon dioxide, and the people always have enough oxygen. It's just it's this amazing cycle that God is always keeping in balance, and that when humans get hungry, uh, they eat cows, and when humans die, worms eat us. And then the worms uh, give food to the grass and the grass gives food to the cow. And like God has set nature up in just such a way that everything has what it needs. And so when we realize that God gives food to all who fear him, that this isn't just a small isolated aspect of our lives. This isn't just one meal to be thankful for. This is part of a larger system of who God is as an entity, that God is a sustainer. God is the sustainer. He takes care of us. And so as we pray to God for the meals that we eat or the roof over our head, and we recognize that God is taking care of us, let us tie this into the larger picture of who God is and recognize that this is the, the subset that that would fit into. God is the sustainer. But also in verse 5, we see that God remembers his covenant forever. And as we read through the rest of this psalm, I think that this idea uh, might explain itself a little bit better. So it says, He's shown his, his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nation. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They're established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. 
He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. So as we see that God remembers his covenant forever, his hands are faithful and just. That God is a God who keeps his promises, but that from his nature as a just and good and merciful God, he gives us direction through his covenant. So I've, I've written up here, and I'll explain this, that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Obviously, it's a quote from Hebrews. But here's the idea, that we're not just physical people with physical needs. Uh, we don't just get food, we don't just need a cover over our head, that what God has done in keeping his covenant and keeping his promises is to give us a direction in life. Because otherwise, we're just husks that eat food and then die. But rather, by God giving us a covenant, by God showing his just, righteous self to us, revealing himself through the word of God, that God shows us a better way of living. And he shows us that there are blessings associated with living in step with the truth of who God is. So when God is righteous, he rewards those who are righteous. And when God is love, there are blessings that come when we also embody love in our own lives. And when life goes well for us because we're following the Lord, that is also an outpouring of who God is. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This also shows up in, in Psalm 34. In Psalm 34, we'll see, read the first eight verses. David writes in Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. The poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. What David is recognizing here is that because of who God is, God is good, God is just, that when we live in step with God's goodness and justice, that there are blessings associated with it. And because of who God is, we find goodness in our own lives. As we continue through this psalm, verses 18 through 22, says, uh, sorry, I went too far. 18 through 22, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is a broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. And so we see that because of who God is, that he takes care of us. In our physical needs, he sustains us. 
and in our spiritual needs, he gives us blessings. He protects us when we live justly as he is just, righteously as he is righteous. When our lives match God's life, there's blessings. And when we experience that, the natural thing for us to do is to thank God. And so what does this look like? What does it look like for us to thank God when he is God in our own lives? Uh, I, I used the example of, of a home earlier. That we have houses. I assume we all have houses. I've not been to all of yours. But uh, homes that, that have roofs and, and walls and they keep us safe from the elements. Like, and we can think about that in terms of just a, a one-time thing, or we can think about this as part of God's nature, as we thank God for our food, for our homes, for our jobs, that we need to recognize that all of this is part of who God is as the sustainer of life, and we can thank God for being according to that. But further, as we talk about homes, um, we, we sing a song called God Give Us Christian Homes, uh, and there are other songs like that where we talk about the peace and the love that flows in a home that is built around God. And so as we live our lives and we find that uh, our, our homes are a happy, safe place because all the people in our home are people who have made the decision to follow God, to be forgiving, to be kind, to be loving, to be respectful. When we see that, that's not just something random. That's not just a one-time thing. This is a pattern that we should see that when we live in step with God, that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and that our peaceful home is an outcropping of God's nature playing its little part in our home. And so this is the first of three of the things I want to talk about this morning that we can thank God deeply for these really valuable things because God is who God says he is. And when we see that, we thank God for it. Um, oh, I also wanted to say on this point, sorry, um, that what we talked about this morning with Haggai, that the small things that we do turn out to be amazing, that is also an outpouring of this exact same concept. And when we see that, again, we can thank God that this is not uh, something isolated, that it happens all the time. But as we move on, the next thing I want to talk about, next time we can thank God, is that we want to thank God when he rescues us. When we are in turmoil, the, the deepest points of our life, the scariest moments, and God brings us out of those. When we're on the other side and we've broken through and he has answered our prayers of deliverance, then of course this seems like the most natural of all the times to be thanking God. And we can see this. Uh, in many places, but we're going to go to Psalm 40. Uh, and if you're keeping score at home, uh, yes, I, I have officially overused this psalm at this point, but I don't think you're keeping score, so I don't think it super matters. But Psalm 40, I've used it a bunch recently, but it's just because it's so good. Uh, psalm 40, we're going to read the first five verses. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. 
You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. Um, I will proclaim and tell them, yet they are more than can be told. Here, the psalmist says that he was in trouble. He was in a miry bog. I just love that picture. He's in a miry bog and God drew him out. Just like he knew God would. He said he waited patiently because he knew that God would rescue him out of it. And now that he's out on the other side, rescued from the miry bog, he says, God, you put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise. Because God, as I reflect on it, uh, this isn't the only time you've helped me. This isn't the only good thing you've done for me. In fact, uh, you've multiplied your wondrous deeds toward us and none can compare with you. If I tried to tell them all, he says in verse 5, they're more than can be told. And yet... That doesn't stop him because in verses 9 and 10, he says, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips. As you know, O Lord, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I've spoken of your faithfulness and salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. That he was in trouble and God rescued him out of it. And he thanks God from the, from the depths of his heart. He, he lets his soul sing, thank you, Lord. And then he tells other people about it. He's proclaiming in the midst of the assembly all the good things that God has done for him. He is thankful when God rescues him. I want to turn now to, to Psalm 18. Psalm 18, the same sort of idea. Uh, this psalm, don't worry, we're not going to read the whole thing, uh, is where we get a lot of the words from, uh, I will call upon the Lord. Is, is from this, this psalm. Psalm 18, we're going to read the first six verses and then we'll, we'll jump later on. He says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help from his temple. He heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. This psalm starts with the first three verses with this confident assertion. He says God is a rock, a fortress, a deliverer, a rock, a refuge, a salvation, a stronghold, a shield. Like, this is who God is. God is our protector. But he doesn't, he, he doesn't just make this up out of thin air. He knows this personally. Because in verses 4 through 6, he was in trouble. The cords of death ensnared him. And then he cried to God, and God got him out of it. That he understands from personal experience, he can thank God because of his own life. That God got him through the difficult times. And when God gets us through the difficult times, we got to give thanks to God. Later on in this same psalm, we'll read verses 43 through 50. You delivered me from strife with the people. You made me the head of the nations. People whom I had not known served me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners came cringing to me. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortress. The Lord lives, and blessed be the rock 
and exalted be the God of my salvation, the God who gave me vengeance and subdued peoples under me, who rescued me from my enemies. Yes, you exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from the man of violence. For this, I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. That he says, look, people are against me. People were opposed to me. I had many foes, and yet God gave me victory. That he was in trouble, but God brought salvation, deliverance from the struggles of this life. And when God does that for us, we've got to thank him. I got one more psalm on this point, and it's in Psalm 124. Psalm 124. He says, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We've escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowler. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. I like this psalm uh, mostly for the first two verses. Uh, this image of, of them being rescued from the, the raging waters is, is like an amazing idea. But I like these first two verses. One, because it sounds like some like really old southern preacher. The, you know, If the Lord was not on our side, let Israel now say if the Lord was not. So I like that. But the other thing that's really cool about this, he says, if the Lord had not been on our side when people rose up against us. And I want to I examine this. So, Say uh, you're talking to someone who's really old, uh, and they've fallen, and, and they're, they're in that state of life where it's hard to get back up when you fall, and they, you know, they, they broke something, but you're talking to them, and they're saying, you know, if Brian had not been there, I don't know what, you know, their, their son Brian in this hypothetical situation, if Brian hadn't been there, I don't know what I would have done. That the, the focus in that situation would be on, on there. You know, if Brian had been anywhere else, then it, we would have been in trouble. But Brian was here. You know, I had somebody to help me up, to help me in this struggle. But I actually think that when he says, if the Lord had not been on our side, that the emphasis is a little bit different. So imagine now that you're talking to an old person, but that old person is a little bit overweight and uh, that they don't know a lot of people that could help them. But their son, Brian, I mean, he's jacked. And they're saying, in this case, it's not if Brian, had, if Brian hadn't been here. It's if Brian hadn't been here. That this, this, my son, this person is the only person who could have actually helped me. Anyone else, and we would have been in trouble. And if you read a psalm like this in the polytheistic context of the ancient Near East, that there are, you know, Marduk and all of these other gods, Baal, Ashtaroth, and each nation... They have the, their own gods that they're worshiping. But Israel is saying strongly, look, I, I don't care about whatever you guys are claiming to be worshiping. The only person capable of rescuing us is the Lord. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, 
then we would not have escaped from this situation. And I think that's powerful as we reflect on this idea. Because sometimes we can, we can say and give credit to things that are not the ultimate source of our rescue. That in times of trouble, we can get out and we say, you know, if, if this opportunity hadn't come along or, you know, if this person hadn't been there. And ultimately, uh, God uses many people and opportunities to help them, but it's God who is behind it all. It's God who gets us out of these situations. And so I think that's a critical thing for us to recall as we're breaking out of these trials of life, that if it had not been the Lord who is on our side, that when we thank God, we have to recognize that he is the only one capable of doing the wondrous works of salvation that we see in our lives. And so when you, uh, you lose your job and you're really scared, uh, and you cry to God and he gets you out of that. Or uh, you have a, a terrible and really daunting health problem. And you're like, I, I don't know what's going to happen with this. Or any number of things. And you pray to God and God gets you out of it. You got to recognize that's God. That's only God. Only the Lord can do the things that are happening. And so we got to give praise to God where it is due. Thank God when God rescues you. But now I want to talk about one last time when we might thank God. And I guess if we, we zoom out a little bit, the first one is we thank God when things are normal. The second is when we thank God when things are good. And finally, we have to thank God when things are bad. Thank God when we are afraid. And this might seem a little bit unnatural. But I want to argue that this is maybe the most important time to be thanking God. Uh, we talked about... Uh, we sang a song Stephen led us in, Count Your Blessings. Uh, and he says, uh, it's something along the lines of, in the middle of the conflict, uh, whether great or small, don't be discouraged because God is over all. And that in those times of, of trouble, that we have to count our blessings then too. Because when things are good, when things are normal, uh, we thank God and it's important to attribute uh, the, our thanks to God in those times. It's maybe even more difficult uh, to to look to God in those, in those good times. But it's most critical in the bad times, when we're worried, when we're like, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. We can reflect. We can thank God for the things that he has already done in our lives, these things that give us confidence that no matter what we are currently in the midst of, God can get us through. And so as we uh, face the trials of this life, We've got to thank God for what he's already done, for who he is. And that will give us the confidence that we need to move on. Let's go to Psalm 57. Psalm 57. And this is probably an example of thanking God for who he is more than uh, what he has done. But Psalm 57 says, Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wing I will take refuge till the, tor the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. The children of man whose sharp teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues and sharp swords. 
Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O Lord, above the, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. I hope you can hear in that the dramatic switches that happen uh, in verse 4 and verse 6 particularly. We get this context of we're thanking God and then all of a sudden I am terrified. There are lions everywhere and there are nets and I'm going to die. But God, you got this. This is who you are. He says your steadfast love extends to the heavens. He talks about uh, that he's going to praise God with everything, harp and lyre, awaking the dawn with praises, because that's the appropriate response to who God is. And if that's who God is, if God has gotten us through this, if God has shown his steadfast love in, in all areas of life, then the fear starts to dissipate. The anxiety that comes from being surrounded by lions, caught in a net, terrified by your enemies... We get to have peace and comfort that God can get us through because he has before. And when we thank God for being who God is, then that gives us confidence. Psalm 77 is a very similar one. In Psalm 77, we find in this one more maybe in line with uh, thanking God for things he has done, um, but also who he is as well. Um, Psalm 77 Read the first six verses. It says, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I say, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. So he starts out by explaining, I'm in trouble. He starts out by being concerned, by saying that he's reaching out to God unwearyingly, that God is the one keeping his eyelids open. He's so troubled he can't speak. Like this is a serious problem. And he says, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm going to make a diligent search through the history through our history, the relationship that God and I have, the relationship God has had with his people, and that, that's going to solve my problem. So in verses 7 through 9, he asks some questions. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in his anger shut up his compassion? These are the questions that, that concern him. And then he gives us the answer Not even a direct answer, just a statement about who God is that gives us overwhelming confidence that God has not forgotten his people. God has not abandoned them. He says, starting in verse 10, Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember 
your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the water saw you, O God, when the water saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightning lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints are unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So he says, I'm worried, I'm scared, but I'm going to think. What are the questions? Has God abandoned me? And he says, who is God? What has God done? And as he reflects on that, as he reflects on the God who breaks open the waters, who causes the deep to tremble and the sky to break forth in lightning, as he reflects on the God who led his people through the wilderness, rescued them from Egypt, as he thinks, who is this God that I'm dealing with? He recalls that he can have confidence that no matter what trials he is currently in the midst of, that this is a God who rescues his people. So whether it takes a day or a month or a year, we have confidence in the midst of our struggles that God is going to get us through because that's who God is. That's what he does. And so when we are faced with these kinds of concerns, uh, I talked about uh, the scary situation of being jobless. And you're like, how am I going to take care of my family? Like, what's going on here? And you get scared. But you can reflect on maybe a story like Elijah, who lived by a river, drank from the water, got fed by ravens. Like, I'm not saying that God's going to send ravens to your house, but what I am saying is this. God knows how to take care of his people. And that there are struggles in this life that seem so big, and they seem so looming, but God is bigger than those problems. And then as we reflect and we thank God for all the things that God has done, and we can have confidence that he's going to get us out again. Or maybe you're in the midst of a really serious illness. And you can reflect back, who is this God that I'm dealing with? Who is the God who came to earth to take away the biggest sickness of all? The great physician, that's who I'm praying to. And do I need to be worried about these small things? No, God can get us through. We can have confidence that he will or that he, that he can and I have to say, you know, sometimes the answer that God gives us is no. And that is scary. But we can also know that no matter what happens, that God is going to take the struggles of this life, the trials of this world, the sinful influences of the world and the dangers that it causes, and he's going to make things work out for his glory. And if our goal is to have our life work out for the glory of God, then we can rest assured that God is going to make that happen. And so when we are afraid, when we are in the midst of struggles, we pray to God, we can thank him for the things he has done for us and for these great people of the past. And we can have confidence, we can have faith renewed to face the trials. And so I started out my sermon talking about sandwiches. I'm going to talk about sandwiches again. Leah said, Brent, you can't be thankful for sandwiches. That's not a good answer. And uh, she said it then. I'm going to say it now. 
Sandwiches is just not a great answer. And the reason is because as much as I'm thankful for sandwiches, I'm thankful for sandwiches in the same way I'm thankful for like roller coasters and like great movies. That like, it makes my life better. I enjoy it. But there's something so much deeper, something so much more profound about thanking God for the people around us. And I think about, uh, as, as we think about this first point, we thank God when God is who he is. And we thank God when those who walk in step with God find blessings. And I look around at this congregation and the people of God who have set their hearts to follow the Lord. And I can see his blessings at play here. I can see his blessings as he is blessing my life through all of you guys. And I'm so thankful, soul-singingly thankful for the people at the congregation here. And again, we can thank God when God rescues us, like we've been through some difficult things. I was not here for the split, but I know it was nasty. I know there were a lot of really awful things. And I know that we're still in some ways dealing with the ramifications of it. But God brought us through. We're, we're still here. We're still worshiping the Lord. And these trials and animosities, they've died down a bit. And we're working. We're trying to serve the Lord. And things are, are getting better. And we can thank God for that. Or even more recently, I think about uh, back in November when Nancy got COVID and we were terrified. We were so worried because she had it for so long and we were all scared like maybe she wasn't going to make it through. And we were praying together as a congregation constantly that God was going to get her through this. That we as a congregation were not going to lose this person who was so special to us. And then God answered our prayers and when God brings us through and God rescues us, we've got to give him thanks. And we got to thank God again when things are scary. COVID is happening and we can get nervous, but we can thank God for the way he's taken care of us in the past. And right now we're looking for a preacher and that can be scary. But I, I want to thank God in times like this for the fact that God brought Jacob here because Jacob's amazing. I know you all know this, but like he's like one of the best preachers I know. And the fact that God sent Jacob to our congregation means that God cares about us. It means that he's not going to let us starve for spiritual food. That when the time is right, we're going to get another preacher and it's going to be okay. But in this time, in this interim where it's kind of scary, we can thank God for the way he has taken care of us, the way he has shown us time and time again that God really cares about us. And so as we think about the trials of this life, the good, the bad, the day-to-day. We've got to thank God in all of those circumstances. We've got to attribute the wonderful things that are going on in our life to God, the source of all good things. And that will give us the peace, the faith that we need to endure anything that this life throws at us. But here's the thing. Uh, those blessings are only found in Jesus. And if you've been walking out of step with Christ, or you've never begun your journey with him, then you're missing out. God is amazing, and there's so much that he has to offer us. And if you are interested in that, if you want to learn more, if you want to be baptized and start your journey, we have a baptistry, but there's probably better places to baptize you today. But anyway, we can take care of you. And if you want to come forward and confess sins, we want to pray with you, to talk with you, and help you. If you have any need, please come forward as we stand and sing.